Welcome, everybody, to episode 103 of the Metabilas 2 podcast, featuring myself, Ben. And David. And tonight we are going to talk about why we like Doctor Who. There has been a question that's been asked by uh, one of our listeners, uh, namely my sister. <laughs> she had been listening to us in series series 11, and she wondered, why do you guys even watch Doctor Who? <laughs> so... Uh, I think maybe maybe a discussion on why we like Doctor Who is in order. Yeah, let's 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 try and have that discussion. I mean, I I, I think as as we were saying off air a little bit, some of this was um, well, uh, uh, we haven't really been enjoying season eleven of New Who that much. Mm, no, not not um, quite as much as we had hoped. Yes, and this was also prompted uh, a little bit by me uh, with my distress purchase of Time and the Rani, um, <laughs> which was. Really, I, I, I'm trying to remember when I watched it. I think I must have been at college. Mm-hmm. I think it was the last year that I was at college, and that was, and it was, I was at the same college as, um, as, uh, as Russell T. Davis yep. and um, uh, Rob Shearman <laughs> used to come round and do things. I didn't know Rob Shearman. Right. Apparently, he used to come round to Worcester to meet his friend. Can't remember what his friend, but it was basically it was just me and Rob Shearman's friend. I can't remember Rob Shearman's friend now, but I mean, we must have hung out, right? watching this show and i remember thinking to myself this is awful Mm -hmm. i cannot do this anymore i don't want to sit in a room watching this stuff with these weird kind of pasty faced (laughs) fat young men i really don't feel that they're my people anymore and and i I kind of gave up on it for a bit Mm -hmm. so yeah so i mean doctor who's it's been through bad patches according to me right it's all subjective subjective. that's why there's so many different doctors and so many different errors It, it speaks to different people Absolutely. And I think when people ask you that question, this is how you tell a, a, a we from a not we or a fan from a from a non-fan, is people say, well, who's your favorite doctor? There is no answer to that question. They're all good. Right. It's like, you know, who's your favorite? I don't think of a similar thing. You know, what's your favorite apple? No, that's wrong. Or your you know. favorite f- favorite band. It's very hard to choose just one. Yeah, ex- or your favorite color, actually. Right. All your kids are always saying, like, who's your, what, what's your favorite color? Well, there's no <laughs> such thing. I mean, like, colors, two different things at different times. Right. So right. This is, as much as you might feel at certain points that a doctor is not really delivering, A, it's not that doctor's fault mm-hmm. um, because the doctor is a character in a show and the doctor has to do the things that the show tells him or her to do mm-hmm. so you can't blame the doctor um, and all the actors that have been cast in the title role from Hartnell to Whitaker have been just astounding performers so it's it's not a lack of talent or ability that uh, may not make an error work for you absolutely I mean I mean case in point would of course be as I think we've said before on the podcast would be Colin Baker mm-hmm. who famously languishes under the sobriquet of Doctor Who magazine's least favorite <laughs> doctor, whatever the hell he is, poor man. Right. But I mean, a his ones aren't that bad. Right. And they're bad for a reason, which is again not his fault. Right. And B, um, he is hands down to my mind the best big finish doctor. Hmm. Slightly, uh, in recent years, I think Paul McGann has started to edge him out a little bit because mm-hmm. um, I think Paul McGann is doing is doing amazing work. Right. Um, but he is. Those those early big finishes with um, with Colin Baker and especially with uh, uh, what's her name? Can't remember her name now. The older woman, Maggie uh, Maggie Stables. Maggie Smith, not Maggie Smith. Whatever she's. Um, 
uh, were amazing. Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> great, great, great stories. Amazingly acted. He's a really good actor. Right. Yes, he is. Yeah. Looking forward to seeing him in Gallifrey this we are looking forward February. to February. We're looking forward to hanging out with him. Yeah. 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 We're gonna, we'll, we'll take him out for a curry or something. Yeah. Vindaloo. A vindaloo. Yeah. So, really, it's very completely subjective. Mm-hmm. And this season has been, it's been disappointing, uh, mainly. Um, I'm not angry with it. I'm disappointed with mm-hmm. it because I know it can do better. Right. Um, I'm like a parent um, <laughs> with a child. You're not angry with your child, you're disappointed with your child because you know. That what they've just done is 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 beneath them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not up to the caliber that they are used to or can deliver. Exactly, exactly. And they need to go away, and they need to think about what they've done, and they need to come back, <laughs> and they need to do it better this mm-hmm. time. Yeah, that's what Chibnall needs to do. He so needs he, to go away. He needs to look at what he's done. Mm-hmm. He needs to feel sorry and <laughs> promise never to do it again. Well, they're already in production, so I'm not sure how much time he's had had to feel sorry, and he's winning awards. So I, I think is we he, are. Is in it, the, is, have, they, have, they, have they won an award? I, I think they have that. won an award. Yeah, let me let me look at what award they oh, won goodness here. Goodness gracious! Uh, the Rotten Tomato Award or the Golden Tomato. They won uh, an award <laughs> for the best best sci-fi series or something like that. Right. It's really called the Rotten Tomato Award. Oh. Golden Tomato. Golden. Why is it called a golden golden? Because it's on the tomato. Rotten Tomato website. Oh, really? So they were the the best reviewed uh, sci-fi series of 2018. Oh, it's political correctness gone mad. <laughs> I don't know about that. It's just we are definitely not the target audience for Doctor Anything. Who per se. <laughs> Anything at all. But it is. It was or is a family show, so it should appeal to a wide range wide age range of individuals especially parents which we are but again we don't have children of that age our children so. are now too old as well i mean yes. it'll be like their children quite soon <laughs> oh boy yeah I know, I, I know exactly um and i think you know it's 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 fine it's really it's really fine it's really okay mm-hmm. and the reason why it's okay um and it's, again it's, you know I, I'm just re retracking my point i mean i'm disappointed i'm not angry i'm not one of those right. you know red-faced gammons who's like it's a woman um it's just it's just not as good as it could be which is fine because mm-hmm. sometimes in the past it's not as been good as it, sh- it should be and those for all perfectly right. understandable reasons and maybe you know maybe 10 years from now you know people will be writing exposés of you know what went wrong from right. season 11 or maybe they won't who knows but mm-hmm. there are you know there's six getting on for 60 years worth of the rest of it which mm-hmm. is still 60 world 60 years worth of incredible incredibly enjoyable telefantasy um in mm-hmm. you know audio written word and also television based excitement um right. for, for everyone to enjoy yeah so it's it's not it's not a problem it's not a problem mm-hmm. i mean it's 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 difficult producing a weekly podcast on something that you're not really having a great time watching it's right difficult because it's not difficult producing a podcast <laughs> at all but you know it's it's frustrating right because one would like to be able to go this is really really good this is really mm-hmm. good stuff i would yeah yeah and um, we've had one or two that we've liked, but it's just generally, it's always been even the ones we've liked. There's always been a caveat this past year. Yes. What was our what was what was our, our top rated one? Was the was the one with the with the witches and the mud monster, right? Yeah, the Witchfinders, I think, was our top rated one. But then the historical inaccuracies were kind of a 
a, a slight knock against it. We also liked Rosa, but if you look at it in a purely a state of drama, there was a bit of a knock to it. Uh, it was kind of boring. Yeah, it was, it was too historically accurate, basically. Yeah, and yeah. I think that was my that was my beef with them. Is like, well, why should one be historically accurate and the other mm-hmm. one not? And then, um, and then, demons in the Punjab, I think, was another one. But then that had its own set of issues where the Doctor selectively uh, saves people in history. Yeah, who then don't have any recollection of the Doctor ever turned up, ever having right. turned up for whatever reason. Right. Um, yeah. Maybe there was. So there was a. Yeah, maybe this one of those mind wiping thing they used to have. It, have <laughs> one of those Torchwood. slugs that they had in. Yeah, one uh, of those Torchwood. Peter things. Capaldi era. Yeah, probably one of those. Yeah. So yeah. So. I mean, all I have to say to your sister, um, who <laughs> I've never met, but I feel like I know her, is that we, we will always love this show. There's nothing we can really do, and it will disappoint us from time to time. But it is—it's like a child. Um, it, you know, it will come back to us, and it will—it <laughs> will thrill us again. And you know, it will show us some pictures that it drew when it was younger, and we'll go, "Oh, yeah, you are great." <laughs> um, <laughs> And that's Those what would will be happen. the missing episodes that are recovered right there. Yeah, missing episodes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah, we imprinted on this at a ripe age, at an early age. You as a child, me as a young teen, uh, almost preteen. And uh, memories at that time were formed pretty pretty lasting memories or yeah. pretty, pretty deep imprints on what interests you as a child often carries as an adult what interests you as an adult absolutely and i think you know we were lucky and again i think we'd have to get someone else on to see whether this works or not but i mean we were lucky that we were imprinted on the kind of the best one of the best eras of doctor who to be honest Mm -hmm. um i mean i'm sure there are folks out there who are like wow the mccoy era was great you remember the Remember when the Rani dressed up as Mel, and that was amazing. <laughs> do you remember that? That's fantastic. I'm sure there are people who do that, but you know, we 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 have wonderful things to remember, like mm-hmm. Fox robots and mm-hmm. Wirrens and all those right. killer creatures from the dawn of Egyptian time. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, for the people who grew up with McCoy and like Time of the Rani, the special effects, the special effects that open up Time of the Rani were something never seen yeah, before true. in Doctor Who. So I think uh, from listening to some of them talk, it's the special effects that really blew them away and hooked, right. hooked them on it. And it's a different type of storytelling. If you had not seen Doctor Who before, if that was your first episode of Doctor Who, it's understandable why that was exciting you know you're six seven eight years old and that's blows your that mind special yeah. effect was colors and sylvester mccoy is engaging and kate o'mara and it's it, it it can be it can be fascinating it can capture the imagination where we are at a handicap is we also come from a time where we have giant maggots or we have dinosaurs marching through london or we have sutek with all powerful battling with the the time lord or the zygons and it's not the same and i often wonder how much of this is just trying to recapture that spark that interest us when we were we nippers yeah yeah i mean it is i mean it is interesting i mean is it interesting yeah i think it probably is interesting i mean i don't watch a huge amount of contemporary Telly fantasy, if it's still that is still what it is called. Mm-hmm. I mean, probably the main thing that I watched that is could be seen to be within that genre was is Black Mirror on Netflix. That's probably the right. main main one that I watch. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I'm 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 pretty much 
against, not against, but I mean, I don't really enjoy all those superhero movies that much at all. No. The closest Doctor Who ever got into anything like that was the return of Doctor Mysterio. So it's yeah. it's a different genre. Yeah, and I'm just I'm just it's, it's so then you know then then Doctor Who then becomes kind of interesting because as far as I know, it's not really a show that has very many comparators. You know, there's not there's not really anyone who's doing anything like it, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess they've tried to copy it. I mean, I think all the Sherlock's uh, that came out five six years ago, including the American one. Um, were trying to do, you know, quirky English person with female assistant solves things. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess that was that was part of it. But, I mean, it is, it, it's a unique show. I mm-hmm. mean, if you look at the lineup in season, if you look at, you know, what the show is trying to do in season 11, you've got this quirky woman with sort of a bunch of people that she travels around with. It's kind of amazing that they're, e- not, they're, e- that they're even trying to keep it going in some ways because... Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't really look like anything else. And that's got to be a good thing, really. The premise, do you think the premise really works at this part of the early, mid 21st century? I think what seems to be not working at the moment, which is weird because I remember complaining about it working when Moffat was, is the lack of the arc. Hmm. I mean, every show that you watch or every show that I watch is some kind of continuing story. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly all of the sci-fi-ish shows and all of them appear to be either Star Trek or comic book based. So like Gotham and all the Star Treks mm-hmm. and The Flash and I don't know, all those other all those other ones are all are all, you know, they're standalone stories within a continuing story of some kind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I wonder whether the kind of Chibnally backlash against an arc uh, as well as the Chibnally backlash against back catalogue, mm-hmm. is in some ways a little bit counterproductive because, again, it actually makes the show not like anything else that's that's on at the moment because mm-hmm. all, all shows right now, again, they're mining a back catalogue and they have an arc. It's good that they're trying not to do that. I just don't think they're trying hard enough to be something that is not mining its back catalogue and is not having an arc. Where you could get away with that is every story back in the 70s had its own little mini arc of, say, four or six episodes. Exactly. So it would carry on and you would see a plot develop over a period of weeks or a period of days for me because I was watching episodic daily. And that's one of the things I really liked about it as a child is you just got a little bit of the story. You got a chapter. Right. And it left you on a cliffhanger. I loved the cliffhangers. Even if they were lame cliffhangers, I really loved cliffhangers. Cliffhangers, amazing. And yeah. that type of serialized drama, if you don't have a, a greater arc and you're not telling a segment of a, a specific story, then it becomes almost sitcom-like. Right. Where You've got to reset at the end of each episode. There is a bit of a reset, and the only character or the main character development that we had was with Ryan and Graham, and they captured most of the drama, but they were neither of them really were the leads. No, Gra- Graham no. maybe maybe more so than Ryan, but it was almost as if the the Doctor was back in the Hartnell era where. Ian and Barbara were the leads, effectively, and Hartnell was more of a background character early on. I agree, and I think if effort can be made in in Series 12, I think they need to work on those character arcs for the companions, because obviously the Doctor doesn't develop. Hmm. um, Nor should she, really. I I don't know. Capaldi Doctor developed plenty. 
Yeah. Um, I Well, yes, he did. And I think that was relatively well handled. I'm not in huge favour of the Doctor having a character arc of any particular kind because I don't mm-hmm. think it really works mm-hmm. to me. Um, I, I'm in great favour of companions having character arcs. And I think this is really where season 11 fell down a bit is we were promised some strong arcs with those characters and they got either completely incomprehensible ones, which is Graham suddenly becoming like Mad Max or something and like <laughs> wanting, he's being out for vengeance and also really tedious, right. which is my dad is a bad dad and I must mm-hmm. make friends with him again, which is like... The most boring, boring... I'm sorry, you know, I mean, you know, as much as I love Ryan's family issues, they mm-hmm. are incredibly tedious because they are not even interesting in terms of a soap opera. Yeah, I was hoping that Ryan would discover his innate abilities and intelligence with the doctor seated that he was in biology or that he had... You know, he has always this curiosity and this willingness to believe... Uh, what the doctor is telling him and accept aliens and accept this and I wanted to see him grow and become more more assured of himself not not just with like a uh, from a dyspraxia sense but just in a intellectual sense and yeah, I yeah, didn't, yeah. See, didn't yeah. see that kind of growth that I was hoping for and it's a really bad yardstick to judge what you're hoping for a show than what actually they presented because you're always going to be disappointed so this is a trap that fandom always puts itself in or a lot of fans put themselves in the show doesn't live up to what you imagine it could be yeah but even i think even when we look at series uh, some some episodes i won't even point at series 11 that what is actually presented itself isn't very good or consistent and personally i feel uh some of the fandom some of the f- fandom podcasts i listen to are too much cheerleader and too afraid to point and say the emperor has no clothes than to give an honest opinion. And maybe maybe they have a lower bar to cross for enjoyment, but uh, I, I think there's a middle ground where you can be between the enthusiastic rubber stamper, the enthusiastic right, fan backer, right. and then the total fan who says this is crap, this is, uh, this is garbage, uh, Doctor Who's a woman, the show is ruined forever, and you ruined my childhood. There, my there's childhood, a, yeah. There's a middle ground for intelligent criticism or feedback or uh, at least honest opinions on what, from my perspective, I felt or saw or thought watching the show. And let's face it, who is occupying that middle ground currently? The Metabilis 2 are occupying that middle ground. <laughs> we, are, we, we, we care and we criticize because we care. Mm-hmm. And we want this show to be the best show that it possibly can be. Mm-hmm. Um, we will always love Doctor Who, no, no matter what it does. <laughs> and we also can recognize that as 50-somethings, the show arguably isn't being made for us. And as, right. as I pointed out before, like nothing is made for us, mm-hmm. um, apart from things that we used to like, um, <laughs> only more expensive. Uh, senior uh, housing is being made for us. Senior housing <laughs> is being is being prepared for us. Prepared for hospice care is being prepared for us as we speak. Um, uh, I always tease my daughter that you know she is not a big Doctor Who fan, and I but I always tease her that when I'm in the home, she can sit by me in the rocking chair and watch a watch an episode of '70s Doctor Who and absolutely uh, put that's dad in his for. happy place. Yeah, that's it. Though, I mean, one of my, I mean, I I think I I can't remember whether I ever talked about this. A really great thing that I did with my kids is we watched uh, The Keys of Marinus, Mm -hmm. 
mm. with myself and my, my eldest kid must have been like 10, the younger one must have been about 7 uh -huh. and they were absolutely transfixed and I've got pictures of them just staring unbelievably <laughs> at these murky black and white figures kind mm -hmm. of woodenly marching around on the screen and they absolutely loved it. So it just shows, you know, even something as clunky and as arguably not particularly good as the Keys of Marinus, it can grab a child. Uh, and I think, I mean, hopefully season 11, you know, is grabbing children. It's for children. I think it is. I it's really think it captured yeah. uh, their imagination and just the toys that they have uh, put out with cosplay type. It's very accessible with cosplay for the teenage yep. Yep. that it is capturing something and it is speaking to a segment of fandom that isn't a traditional uh, segment of fandom, which... Uh, which I think is good. The only way these shows can survive for another 50 years is if they do capture the imagination of new fans. And certainly by the time I started watching Doctor Who during the Tom Baker era on public television in the U.S., Pertwee and Troughton were a, a distant memory. And right. uh, much of Troughton had been wiped and Pertwee was lost or only in black and white. And one of the things I really loved about Doctor Who, once I crossed the threshold from viewer to fan, is discovering this rich history, this rich back catalog of things to read and watch and learn about other actors who had played this role, that it's always captured my interest. It has a sense of history that, at the time, when I was a kid, Star Wars, say, didn't have. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. even Star Trek didn't, because the next generation wasn't, wasn't a thing yet. Yeah. And I think if you look at the, you know, the attempts that Star Trek has done over the years to kind of remake itself, I mean, there have really only been two successful, to my mind, Star Trek mm. series. Is. I would say three, but go ahead. Uh, what was the what's, what's I would the say third? Deep Space Nine worked oh, yeah, fairly okay. well. I always a, forget about Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Cause it's, it's, yes. Yeah, there have been three. And then, of course, the movies. The first set of movies, I think, were successful. I think first the most four, recent movies. First four, yeah. The first four. But it does kind of stutter. And, and um, I mean, I haven't, obviously, I, I haven't watched, well, not obviously, but I haven't watched the most recent iteration that they have. And if you compare that to really the kind of barnstorming success that Doctor Who has enjoyed over the past, since 2005, and certainly mm -hmm. the 70s and 80s, kind of amazing um i'll be interested to, to look at the cosplayers uh, the younger cosplayers at gallery one and see you know see the age of people who are doing the doctor right um and i think if they are younger people and especially you know actually you know what especially younger men younger male cosplayers you know doing doing you know it used Jody. to be called used to be called femme uh, cos, uh, yeah. but you know i don't know what the other what the distaff uh, if that's not nasty probably yeah the the, the other kind and uh, you know i'm very very tempted to attempt to cosplay as graham um <laughs> i don't know certainly if we, we if we do this road trip idea we, we're only eating cheese and pickle sandwiches <laughs> and maybe custard creams there um, you go. for the it. entire trip yeah <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah, there you go. Custard creams and cheese pick sandwiches. Um, I'm not sure. We'll have to hire a car with a very tall roof so mm -hmm. that we can wear our Graham witch hats. Oh, as the well. big hats. Yeah, that would yeah. be that'd be perfect. So you know, I mean, it's it's still a lot of fun. And actually, I think I've said this before on the podcast, but I've actually had more fun talking about season eleven than I had talking about 
Capaldi. A lot of Capaldi's shows, I think, were very successful pieces of drama, mm -hmm. successful, successful pieces of Who. But the Moffat era wasn't a huge amount of fun to talk about, really, in my opinion. Well, for me, it was mostly that I could recognize these were very good and very well made, but they weren't what I was looking for in Doctor Who. And right. so it's hard to criticize something that you know is really good, but it's just not for you. And that raises the question, well, why are you watching if it's not for you? Why, why do you feel the need to keep watching? And that's, that's a question I kind of struggle with a lot of times with during the Capaldi and now in the Chibnall era is why am I watching this? And I wonder if I wasn't doing a podcast, if during series 11, definitely I would have just dropped off. Yeah, I probably wouldn't have done. I mean, we're both obsessive in our own particular kinds of ways. <laughs> I mean, I I wouldn't not be able to watch it. I mm -hmm. mean, even if I was making a conscious decision to avoid it, I probably would still watch it. I'd probably be looking at my phone as well as I right. was watching it, but I, I would still watch it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm probably not going to be buying the Doctor Who magazine yearbook. No. As a protest. <laughs> no it's good to say, not not as a protest because they don't really care but i mean i don't feel that excited to have it mainly because the puff stuff is just so over the top it's like really mm -hmm. you know you really have like just 180 degreed in the other direction and this is kind of difficult to read cardiff pravda yeah it is it is slightly pravda-ish um i've also slightly considered dropping getting my weekly physical copy of doc not weekly monthly. my monthly physical copy of doctor who magazine but the next one's got tom baker on the front so one uh, more probably shot go, probably gonna buy that one <laughs> yeah we scratch man yeah scratch man which we will be uh reviewing once we give it a read and listen yes exactly yes we're excited about that and we'll yeah. we'll see how old new doctor who does for us yeah <laughs> yeah doctor who meets the, the devil, devil. Yeah. yes in the shape of a of some kind of scarecrow, yes. He was, he was to be played by Vincent Price, wasn't he? Vincent Price, exactly, yeah. So yes. I wonder if uh, James Goss, who ghost-wrote this, will Write capture that. Right, Vincent Price. Can you... I, I sure hope he does. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, I, wonder, I wonder what kind of... Yes, yeah, I mean, it's, it has car crash written all over it. Um... <laughs> it does. We are the exact suckers that this thing is being made for, Oh, too, God, so. yeah. yeah, exactly. This is, it's, which is what I mean, like, nothing is being made for people in the early 50s apart from the same things more expensive. Right, um, right. So, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. But, you know, I mean, Ian Marta was an amazing writer. I mean, he was, yeah. His target his, novelizations his target are quite good. His target novelizations were amazing. And, mm -hmm. you know, Tom Baker's crazy. So maybe <laughs> maybe it was really good. Maybe magic will strike. Maybe magic will strike for mm -hmm. another time. Yes. Yeah. Scratch man. I'm going to do the uh, Tom Baker audio reading of it. Oh, okay. I'll probably just read the regular book, but um, this upcoming DWM has got a big feature on it. Yeah, I looked at an old DWM that kind of outlined it, and yeah, I, I think my expectations have been uh, suitably adjusted, but it'll, it'll be good to hear Tom reading it. Yeah, they did a big feature on it. Like, Yeah, I think it was under so Clinton Hickman's yeah. uh, time as editor. I mean, it sounded ghastly, so we'll see. We'll see what it <laughs> we'll actually see. ends up. Yes, exactly. Well, uh, James Goss is a really good writer, so he might have been able to uh, put lipstick on the pig. Yeah, lipstick on the on the cabbage on your shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> so I got into Doctor <laughs> Who. It came right at the right time for me. Star Wars came out in 77, and Doctor Who hit the U.S. 
airways in the early 80s like 80 81 82 time frame so that was right at the time of empire strikes back so i was getting my sci-fi fix and then this nightly show came on on pbs it was on 5 5 30 ish time frame so after my homework was done i would watch doctor who and it was an exciting dose of science fiction and what reminded me of star wars with it is all the location shooting right and i really liked how often, especially in the Graham Williams era, that they would go on location. Like season 16 is excellent for location. Right. L- location work with uh, Pirate Planet, Stones of Blood, and uh, Power of Kroll, Androids of Tara. Four of the six are all location-based shooting. And that just seemed very cinematographic, very filmic. There, there were other worlds. It wasn't like Star Trek, which always seemed to be on a soundstage with foam rocks. Well, that's interesting. I don't think we've come across this before, but I mean, did those locations appear to you to be exotic? Yes, they did. Especially especially uh, uh, the moon of Delta Magna, the Kroll the moon. Right. That was really exotic, the big mark. So it uh, didn't, didn't look, just look like the Norfolk Broads to you then? Mm-mm. Well, the you know no, nothing, nothing did, and like all of them looked different enough right. that they were not things I saw as a kid in Minnesota. They weren't prairie or forest, which is kind of interesting. Is of course to, to to us. I mean, this is one of the things I think I've said before on the podcast. Is one of the great things about Doctor Who for me is like Doctor Who. The locations were were kind of wonderfully familiar. Mm-hmm. In that, obviously, this is the Moon of Delta Magna, but it's also that's the Norfolk Broads. And, you know, this is the, <laughs> the special stones that are made of monsters from another dimension, i.e. Stone of Bloods. Right. But no, that's the, that's the Royal Wright stones. I've been there, you know. So it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's kind of interesting. And, and, and what, of course, always then used to work for me, especially when I was a smaller kid, is that the Doctor and his companions would play around in these locations in the same way that I would play around in these locations with my friends. So, mm-hmm. you know, we would do exactly the same thing as the Doctor would do, only the Doctor was doing it, you know, inverted commas, for real. Right. And we were doing it as pretend, but it was the same thing that we were doing. Mm-hmm. You were reenactors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, I mean, I think I hadn't re- haven't really heard you say before that, you know, the location seats locations shooting appeared to be exotic. Which, again, mm-hmm. that's something I hadn't really kind of realized, because, of course, it would be exotic, even though for me it wasn't. Yeah, the like the Santarin experiment. I just thought that was amazing. That was just so bleak and just uh, the moors. It just it's not something you saw in Minnesota. <laughs> True. I, I, I remember going to. Um, I went on a, a kind of a boozy um, week holiday with my college friends, um, and we went to that bit. And I told them that's what it was, and they weren't impressed at all. <laughs> Right. So that's the end. We went to a t- we went to we went to that particular tour on Dartmoor. And it's like they were like, this is where they did Doctor Who and the Sontaran experiment. And they were Doctor Who and the Who, the What. Shut up. So right, yeah, yeah. didn't go very well. Anyway, hmm. so yeah, yeah. I mean, even just the uh, I can't remember what what town it is in, uh, like the Android invasion. I mean, uh, just just the right. What what would be commonplace sure. for you because you would see it and go through an vacation or live in that type of village or town. It was out of place, so it seemed like they were traveling. Right. It wasn't, to to me as a young American viewer, it unlocked a bit of Anglophilia for me. It looked, yeah. uh, you know, it, it was exotic, it was exciting, and uh, there was there's almost a nostalgia romance for the 1970s 
in Britain just because that's the type of television I was watching in Doctor Who and then with Britcoms a little bit later. Yeah, and I think one thing it does show, actually, is actually Britain gets criticised for being a small... Does it get criticised for being a small country? Anyway, um, you know, there are actually a lot of different locations in Britain. You can have a lot. Whereas, Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember... I mean, I felt exactly the same as you about Star Trek. It was either a soundstage... Or it was that rock that's outside L.A. I assume somewhere, and that's right. that's it. Yeah. For and I I was mm-hmm. always waiting for Star Trek to go to somewhere that was green and leafy and had grass, right. like I knew alien planets often were, because of course I loved Doctor Who so much. Right. Um, but they never went to those planets. Star Trek was the other contrasting sci-fi story or show that was on, and I think there's two things I like Doctor Who better than Star Trek for. First off, Doctor Who didn't have commercials, and the commercials on Star Trek was really annoying. So that was Mm. one of the things I didn't like about it. So that was a plus to be on public television without commercials. But as I grew older, as I became not a preteen, but a teen, I liked that Doctor Who wasn't a military-based program. I was getting uncomfortable or growing uncomfortable with the militancy of the Reagan era with the Cold War, with the nuclear arms race with the Soviet Union. And I didn't like the 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 war footing with it. Right. Interesting. It had a very different feel uh, on what what the show was about or what, what was happening in the show. And then, then the stories, the plots were different every every few weeks and it wasn't the Klingons again and in in the Tom Baker era it wasn't the Daleks every week or it wasn't the Cybermen every week it was something it was always something new and fresh and exciting did you I mean did did you feel that about the about about unit stories did you feel that 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 so the unit stories for me weren't until much later until I was more in 17 18 16 17 time frame not in like 10 11 12 time frame so those were the Pertwee era so there was only a couple unit three unit stories we had robot Terra Zygons and the android invasion maybe Seeds Seeds of Doom Doom throw that in there yeah yeah so it didn't seem too samey and the unit always even in the Tom Baker era, without having been exposed to Pertwee, they just seemed very chummy or familiar or like these were the doctor's friends and you could depend on them. Right, right, right. Yeah. No, it's interesting. They were kind of, they were bumbling too. So it just... <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> it's the bumbling British military. No, I mean, because I, I, I loved the unit stories in, uh, when mm-hmm. I in the 70s. And I fondly imagined that, that that's what the army was sort of like as a kid. I was like, wow, I could if you join the army, it's like everyone's your friend and mm-hmm. you get to do cool and interesting things. Um, and it's sort of... Fend un- off demons from... <laughs> exactly. It's sort of undisciplined, um, et cetera, et cetera. But the, I think the other thing, so uh, also to point out, again, for me, I mean, one of... I remember thinking that Star Trek was deeply weird because hmm. there weren't any commercials, and I didn't really know about commercials, but every 10 minutes or so in Star Trek, everyone would stop, and then the screen would like go dark, and then it would start up again, <laughs> and everyone would kind of a little bit recap what they'd done a kind of literally a couple of seconds right. earlier. And I was like, what, mm-hmm. what are those? 
Mm-hmm. I didn't understand because I I didn't understand that Star Trek came from America. Well, I did, but I didn't understand right. that it would have had commercials because it was shown mm-hmm. on the BBC. So right. um, oh. the, the the weird beats in Star Trek were very very odd to me. Huh. Um, the pacing was weird then. The pacing was weird, and it felt like a and it actually made it feel like a a strange show to me. Um, it made it feel stranger. Huh. I'd have to think about it more because, of course, I mean, I I watched. Because I'm in Britain, I mean, you ha- you have to watch a lot of American television because that's the way that America likes to run the world. Is you have to watch their TV all the time. Um, things like Batman and Scooby Doo as well. I again, I remember had those beats in yeah, it, yeah, yeah, which was like, well, why did you just go dark and mm-hmm. then tell me what you just did a second ago again? Mm-hmm. Because that was commercials. But anyway, yeah. there you go. There was two minutes of advertising there. Two minutes of advertising, which we didn't get. Yeah, interesting. Interesting perspective on that. And that's why Doctor Who really wouldn't work on U.S. television when they tried it. Well, it it really doesn't work on like the BBC America where they interrupt it with commercials. It's just not – it's really disruptive viewing. Yeah, I mean, I've watched it a couple of times on BBC America with my friends Greg and Jean. Hi, Greg. Hello. Uh, hello. <laughs> uh, that's Greg talking. No, it isn't. And uh, it's awesome because I've been able to watch it in real time, but it is right. really jarring. Um, right. The I amount would, yeah. of... I'd Again, I'd kind of fondly imagined that BBC America was like regular BBC and didn't have advertising or something, mm-hmm. um, but it isn't. It's Obviously, it's completely different, and right. they just advertise up the butt, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's an American program. It would... Uh, I don't know if they could make a run of it, but it would be interesting if they could do a subscription base like HBO where you just yeah, be great. You pay your fee and you live stream a BBC One. I don't know. It would, it yeah. would, but they, they do their own own thing. But it's certainly yeah. it's certainly a different viewing experience to have Doctor Who interrupted by commercials. Yeah, because it's not designed to be interrupted by, by commercials. And, and thankfully, it isn't. That's, yeah. that's the issue. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mm. think, so the classic stories of... I would say from well, definitely a Pertwee and Tom Baker era, and I would include those surviving ones of Troughton, uh, for me, are immensely rewatchable. I can always pick up something new. Right. And I find the, the rewatch value in them pretty high. Yes. And other eras I haven't, haven't really done a lot of rewatch with. Huh. Right. So I, I don't know if if it's, it's it's the same for you if if like if RTD era or something captured captured your fancy for rewatch. Yeah, I, I find the RTD era is is remarkably rewatchable. Um, I've rewatched quite a lot of them with my kids when they were right. Uh, you know that age. Uh, I haven't really rewatched any Capaldi's mainly right. because. You know, my life's too short and I've got like a bunch of other things to do as mm-hmm. well as rewatch the show that I saw relatively recently. So I haven't, I haven't examined whether they're rewatchable. I find certainly the later Matt Smith to be just so messy in its construction that right. it's actually sort of hard to hard to deal with all the, you <laughs> yeah. know, astronauts on beaches yeah. and robots and it's Hitler and it's like what? Anyway. There's a pterodactyl. Yeah, the stories are well crafted. It's just they're not the type of stories that I found enjoyable. I'd rather have a Terrence Dix or Malcolm Clark or Bob Holmes type story yep. than a Stephen Moffat type story, even though, uh, admittedly, Stephen Moffat is a very great, detailed, plot based writer. They're just not the type of plots and stories that appeal to me. Yeah, they're doing, uh, they're doing Dracula next. Did you read that? Yeah, Him and yeah. Gatiss. Yeah, and Gatiss, yeah, I just saw Get Mark Gatiss in um I watched The Favourite. 
hmm. at the weekend, okay. which has Mark Gatiss in it. Mm-hmm. Who fans, if you want to see check a, a check it out, there's a Who actor in it. <laughs> it's like watching a '70s British television spot the Who actor. Spot the Who actor, exactly. <laughs> it's Mark Gatiss. There he goes. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So uh, I mean, these. I mean, I think these are some of the reasons why mm-hmm. we still watch the show. I mean, the show. As, as as I've as I've said, you know, it's 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 such a wonderful show, and it has given mm-hmm. so much. And we criticize it from love, not from hate. And mm-hmm. we don't hate it; we never will. Um, it it may disappoint us, but it will always. And again, you know, maybe ten years from now, if I ever decide I do want to buy season eleven on DVD, if DVD still exists, maybe I'll watch it again, and maybe it will be fantastic. Could be. Could be. Who knows? Doubt it. Really. <laughs> You never know. Yeah, I don't know. I think the only one from this uh, past series that I'm really would be eager to go back and rewatch would be The Witchfinders, and that's again purely due to the performance of Cumming and yeah Cummings, and I, I like what the the scene between him and Whitaker. Yeah, no, I think that's good. I just, as I said at the time, I wish they just had the Morlocks or whatever they're called as clay based Ortons. I think yeah. that would have been so good. Claytons. Claytons. <laughs> the Clayton Hickmans. Here they come. <laughs> Attack of the Claytons. <laughs> yeah, they Perfect. should be called the Claytons. Why Perfect. didn't they call them the Claytons? Mm. Oh, goodness. No, that would have been amazing. Would, that'd, be, that'd be funny if uh, Gareth Roberts wrote about the Claytons. The Claytons. <laughs> it's, not type of, it's not really his type of uh, That's true. Uh, plot or story. He's much more season 17 than anything he's a season he's certainly a season 17 fellow through and through yeah. yep so well that's kind of why we watch uh yeah why we fight exactly yeah <laughs> it's still enjoyable it's just it's uh it's a good show it's it's still very familiar even though it's um strange and sometimes disappointing yeah it's the same only different every time mm-hmm. you know it's which is the best kind of everything really things that mm-hmm. are the same but are different. Those are always the best kind of things, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. And we will always watch. We will always watch it. You know, as I said, you know, as we've been saying, you know, when we're in our mm-hmm. dotage, we'll be watching it. Whether yeah. it's new or whether it'll be old, we right. will still be watching it. Yeah. It has a lot of competition now. It has a lot more competition than when we first started watching, too, for our eyeballs. So there are other other programs to watch. So for me, having to watch... Well, let's see, it's 60 minutes. So that's effectively a movie, two hours, because I watch them twice each for right, right. each week. For a limited amount of time, for the amount of amount of time I work and stuff, that is a pretty good commitment. So, yeah, it's a good commitment, yeah. So good probably not going to race back to watch Series 11 again because I didn't enjoy it as much as something. And like the classic stuff I know I'm so familiar with in some ways that I can just watch snippets of it and have it in the background as if it was music. Right, right, And just, you know, laugh at certain scenes or see them in my mind's eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. That's true. Yeah, and and again, you know, if they keep on animating things like Macro Terra coming up, um, then, uh, which again, I mean, we know really already as as an audio, it becomes even more Mm -hmm. a bit like that. And it's a good story too. So, and I think they're doing the right thing with the Macro Terra from what I can see from the mock-ups is they are going off shooting script. They are expanding the screen and making it more cinemagraphic and 
probably doing things that they couldn't have even dreamt about in the 1960s for which i think is going to be interesting because so i think as far as i rem- recall i think all of the other reconstructions that the, the, you know it there's always been a uh, uh well there there's those snippets yes. those australian snippets but there's mm-hmm. nothing left of macro, so why yeah. not go? We do have go the, large, basically the telesnaps, though, so they could line things That's up. That's true, yeah. I think with the macro and the macro model from contemporary accounts wasn't as successful as they had hoped it to be. I think by going fully articulated crab, that's a good path to go down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm excited. I think it's going to be thrilling. Yep, and it's yeah. coming out in March, so we will be talking about we'll be that re- after Gallifrey. We will after our sojourn in sunny Los Angeles. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yes, hanging out with all the famous Doctor Who people, of which, of course, we are now as well because we have a podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. <sighs> okay. So, um, any any what, last uh, things? I guess my last thing I have on my list is I really love the music of Dudley Simpson and Burgoyne and just uh, Kari Blyton. The music's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Really like the soundtrack and even the stock music that they used in the '60s that Camfield would have and stuff. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I I like that music. So it's in addition to having missing episodes, having missing uh, Dudley Simpson score soundtracks is one of my uh, regrets of Doctor Who that can't listen yeah. to that soundtrack and hear all the beautiful music. Yeah, that's true. If only we could find those scores somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> well, speaking of music, did you want to talk more about hearing 17 play in concert? Um, yeah, you know, I, that was something else I thought maybe we could touch on and in terms of like being positive about mm-hmm. maybe a bad patch that the... Uh, show is going through it's well well you know fandom is still awesome mm-hmm. and people are making concept albums about you know doctor who shows from the 80s right. so yeah that's it's all it's all good mm-hmm. it's all good it was a kind of a rock opera or uh yeah um i mean they only played like um four or five songs but i mean each kind of character had their own song sort mm-hmm. of thing see what i mean so um, they're not named, so there's so Perry has a song, but and she sings about the Doctor, but she doesn't say, "My name's Perry, I'm singing about the Doctor." <laughs> um, and then the Doctor has a song, and then Shara's Jack has a song, mm-hmm. and then what's his name, Mister Evil? What's who? Who's, who's the baddie? Morgus. Was it Morgus? Well, Morgus. That's it. Yeah. Uh, Trow Morgus has a song, mm-hmm. and um, then also Stoltz the traditional grizzled general um grizzled person that's always in robert home stories mm-hmm. also has a song okay but of course turned into a mercenary because it's sawwood oh he was oh he was the mercenary not he wasn't the general okay yeah 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 he was it's the, been a while was since the... i've watched caves yeah well this it's, it's interesting i mean i had a brief chat with the guy after the uh, the concert i wanted to find out like if he likes caves of andazani so much why are they called the Seventeen? Mm-hmm. and if so are we look will there also be a face of uh, a face of evil that would be a great one to do a yeah opera, amazing rock one. Opera. yeah with like you could have duets between the tesh and the Seventeen. that would be amazing yeah. um so you talked with the guy afterwards or yeah just briefly i mean he was you know he'd just done a concert mm-hmm. so he wasn't really up for like big conversation but apparently he's been interviewed by several podcasters so mm-hmm. i mean i guess if we ever 
we could probably sort out mm-hmm. maybe an in- he said he hasn't hasn't been interviewed by a, an american podcaster mm-hmm. yet he was in dwm yeah they had a little they were spread, in dwm yeah. exactly yes well i was encouraging him said you got to do more man yeah yeah that'd be good Please. yeah oh uh, we had we had mentioned you know i guess this is the planning meeting here but we have <laughs> we had mentioned that we were going to uh, do another flashback series this year and we yes. had kicked around uh ace or the key to time as two possible options, but I was wondering if you wanted to maybe uh, do something else, like Series 7 or... Yeah. You know, I, I kind of fancy doing Ace, actually. Okay, so let's... Uh, yeah. Let's uh, plan it. Doing... I haven't watched those Ace ones for like a, 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 a good long time. Yeah, all right. And then we could and then we could segue and we could talk about new adventures a little bit. You could choose one or two new adventures to reread, and then I would read them for the first time. And yes. then since I'm... I think I've been on record saying I just wasn't into them or just couldn't get into them, and maybe maybe a reappraisal. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be fun. Yeah, we should. Yeah, we could start with Dragonfire and end with Survival, and then we could talk about new adventures, talk about the comic strip, and maybe go back to 1999 or 2000, and maybe pick up one of the first Ace uh, McCoy big finishes. That's a good idea. I think I've got one of those kicking around. I think I've got that Ace book as well somewhere that she did with Mike Tucker. Oh, I have that. Yeah. Yeah, which is all dressed up in like a, like, like, not lycra, what is it, rubber swimsuit or something for reasons best known to herself. <laughs> well, I think it wasn't it for the cover of one of the new adventures. She posed. It was that. an outfit that was based on an illustration for one of the new adventures. Yeah, covers, yeah. yeah. That, so that, that was the tie in, as, as tenuous like, as it was. It was all like cyberpunk mirror shades, but mm-hmm. like 10 years too late, basically. Well, good. Um, next week, hmm, starting with Ace, or why don't we make it a surprise? Oh, there you and go. And you'll find out next week what we talk about next week. Our listener could always. Uh, oh yeah, write us in on Facebook or tweet to us. We and... we will tweet again. Like I said the other <laughs> week, we'll totally do requests. <laughs> so, well, like we did this week, yep, your sister yep. said, "Why the hell do you watch this show?" <laughs> and we go, "It's great." So, we we do do requests. Write in, <laughs> and we'll talk about a Doctor Who thing if you ask us to. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, thank you for listening to episode 103 of the Metabilis 2 podcast. Uh, I have been talking with Ben. And I've been talking with David. And good night. Ooh. Good night. Oh, uh, website oh. update. Uh, I might as well mention it since I spent my Christmas break doing this. Doing I it. Updated yeah. the Metabilis 2 website. And it looks awesome. Metabilis2.com. That's a number two, not the word two. And I added it a preference revealer so you can uh, choose stories or doctors or whatever and try to figure out your own ranking. It's an old school fan type thing where you always had to know where each story uh, lay in your personal standings. Yeah, it's a, it's a tool to help with that. Yeah, it looks great. <laughs> the new, new new website looks awesome. Yeah, thank you. I advise you all to, well, you probably all have done. But anyway, uh, tell your friends about it. <laughs> and your and loved ones. And your enemies as well. Make sure you tell them. All right. All right. We've wittered on enough. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody.
Thank you for listening to the Metabilis 2 podcast. You can reach us with email at metabilis2, as a number two, at gmail.com or on Twitter at metabilis2. And again, that's a number two. Hope to hear from you. Bye.